Hey everyone, we're going to do a relatively short podcast here uh, on the subject of Islam. It'll just be a brief um, overview. It's a very complex religion, <clears throat> like Christianity. Christianity is actually the largest religion in the world as far as uh, professing Christians. Okay, and uh, Islam is actually second. So. Um, what I wanted to point out is uh, back in uh, February of 1993, uh, when I received the revelation that there would be a new exodus, um, to some degree it was kind of an intellectual revelation because um, it was based on scripture. And, uh, but it was something that God showed me. And uh, he gave different confirmations of that on a spiritual level. Um, as the years went by, I began to have a different attitude of studying compared to religion. Remember, I started off with, um, uh, you know, apologetics and um, I guess you could call it cult busting. This would be back as far as 1987. Uh, but I did uh, spend a lot of time studying compared to religion, religions of the world. Um, but later I began to think... Um, you know, more on, focusing more on the practical aspect of all this. And uh, and when I thought about subjects, for instance, like atheism, I realized that it didn't have any long-term significance because on the exodus, there weren't going to be any atheists, at least uh, in the long term. I don't think there's going to be any atheists there at all. <laughs> okay. Um, and... Um, see, people were shown, this didn't happen to me, uh, that there would be a, a significant conversion, somewhat remarkably, of Muslims. And this would also be true um, of you know, what we call the Jews and also um, you know, aberrant, quote-unquote, non-Christian sects like Jehovah's Witnesses and, uh, and Mormons. Okay? And... Um, this has to do with um, when they hear the message that God's going to declare to the world, okay? Through the coming prophet, <clears throat> the supposed Elijah figure. And um, so that kind of changed things later on because um, it um, gave me a new perspective that there was some validity in all this, at least initially, it would have some value. Um, but we've been shown that um, at least a small number of people will be transformed, and somewhat incredibly, they will have a very good recall of whatever they've learned, like from a book or something like that. And uh, I think that God is going to... Uh, bring people that are qualified to deal with these people initially. Um, so anyway, uh, my perspective's kind of changed over the years. Now, it, it proved to be valid um, to some degree because I've only met uh, one professing Muslim over the years. I lived kind of an isolated life, but um, and he lived with me for a short while here. And, uh, but as it turns out, he wasn't a practicing Muslim, and he actually 
he uh, went back to prison after committing some crime. So, you know, if I had studied all that, um, it wouldn't have had any value along the way. And uh, as far as any kind of future value, it um, we'll have to see. Okay. So anyway, um, the subject of Islam, um, I have a different chronology. I think it's shorter than uh, Gregorian calendar. And I would place the origin of Islam um, about five centuries uh well, they, they, they're going to say it's five centuries older than what, what I would say, okay? And if you look online, there's actually um, a discussion about whether Muhammad is a historical figure. And I didn't really have an opinion either way. I had some doubts, though. So the only way to know uh, for certain, uh, as far as you can know, um, that far back, um, because we don't have a certainty about that period of time. We're talking about, you know, 8th, 7th century. Um, you'd have to get revelation and um, reframe the question at some point, and we were told that he, he was a historical figure, okay? Um, but born in a different period, obviously. Now, I do hold to the uh, theory, which you will also find online, um, you got to watch out for some of these people. That um, <clears throat> there was a conspiracy to create the Islamic religion, but um, I hold to the view that all there's conspiracy to create all these religions after the first century, uh, including what we call Christianity. There was a pristine Christianity, uh, you know, apostolic Christianity in the first century uh, that no longer exists because it was a different religion. Um, it wasn't just based on the text. It was also based on authoritative uh, oral traditions of the apostles. Uh, somebody's knocking the door down there. They had the same authority uh, as written text. Somebody's pounding at the door. I hope I don't have to go answer it. Okay. And uh, so I hold to the view that um, that um, the Illuminati worked through the Vatican to actually create um, Islam. And that will probably tell you something about uh, Muhammad, obviously. And uh, I think it was done um, to create division and tension um, between Islam and Christianity. And uh, it's an important subject because uh, I believe that it was God's plan and design to actually expel his people from the Holy Land. And that I believe that he worked through the Illuminati as he always works through um, evil powers through history. Uh, and he worked through the Vatican. 
which came somewhat later, um, to um, give the the Holy Land to the um, the Muslims. Okay. Um, now there are a lot of um, Muslims who are descendants from um, Esau. Whatever you want to um, look at that, they'd be classified as Edomites. Um, but that was more true farther back in history. <clears throat> and uh, so I think it was given to the Edomites. And um, and this has to do with the Crusades. We've talked about before how the Crusades were a deception, historical deception. And um, it primarily had to do with um, killing Christians, legitimate Christians, uh, actually the remnant, hunting them down, persecuting them, as it talks about in Ezekiel 34. They were hiding in the, the mountains. A lot of them were up in the Alps. Uh, but it also had to do with um, protecting the Holy Land. Uh, there was obviously a battle over that, and uh, the Christian church lost, um, as the record of history tells us. Um, but I also think that there was a long-term plan to destabilize the West um, because um, you know, these things are actually plotted and schemed by celestial beings, and then God is involved at some level working through them. And uh, we see that today, uh, especially in Europe right now. You see, and uh, only a celestial being, as a general rule, could have that kind of a long-term plan and then actually carry it out. But uh, I think the Holy Land, as we've mentioned before, was um, situated farther north in um, western Turkey. I hold to the belief that uh, Constantinople used to be Jerusalem, and uh, same location as today's Istanbul. Okay. And um, that uh, Judah would be located in western Turkey, and uh, that explains why you have the letters of the seven churches are acknowledged uh, pretty much universally today by Christian scholars is actually existing in, in modern day Turkey. Okay, and um, so there are different types of. Uh, of Islam. Um, the largest number live in Indonesia, by the way. Um, the largest sect is uh, Shiism, and again with the death of Muhammad and the decision of who should succeed Muhammad as leader. Um, the Shiites, which is a smaller sect, which is roughly around only about 10%, they believe it should be a blood relative. Um, and they followed an individual called Ali. Okay. Um, Indonesia has the largest Muslim population in the world. It's approximately 225 million. There's also a, a mystical sect called the Sufi. Somewhat interesting. As far as the... Uh, Quran, um, of course, I'm going to believe it's a forgery. And 
It's actually a form of propaganda. But you have that kind of thing in uh, Christianity, too. Uh, not with the, uh, the canon of 66 texts or the, according to a you know, Protestant mindset, the uh, Apocrypha, which was in the Septuagint. I acknowledge that as well. But once you get outside of that, it's kind of hit and miss. Um, but uh, there are various uh, apparent absurdities in the uh, Quran. But you can say the same thing about the Book of Enoch uh, on surface of things. You know, they have giants who are 450 feet tall. And uh, they, it acknowledges the existence of sirens, which it talks about in Greek mythology. Um, there's no way to really confirm that. We don't have the uh, certainty about the Book of Enoch. So we ran a check on that through the years, and we were told that both of those things were true. You know, um, But there are significant errors in the uh, belief system of Islam when it comes to um, Jesus. They deny the crucifixion, which is a major error. They deny that he has any divinity. And somewhat remarkably, they deny that Jesus is the Son of God. And they actually say that you are cursed. You acknowledge that he is the Son of God. And um, I believe there's a conspiracy in the media to um, use the term fundamentalist in a broad sense without... um, making proper distinctions between Judaism, Christianity, and, um, and Islam. By the way, the, um, the religions that emerged um, out of, um, I believe there's a worldwide cataclysm in the first century, but out of that time afterwards, are um, Talmudic Judaism and uh, Islam and what I would call institutionalized Christianity. And I hold to the theory that Islam actually has some important aspects of the first century apostolic religion that is no longer found in Christianity. I won't go into the details right now. But uh, I think that they were taken out of Christianity and, uh, and put into other religions. Gnosticism would be another one. Uh, you can't actually prove that Gnosticism existed, by the way. Um, and then another one would be uh, Manichaeanism, uh, which no longer exists. And uh, Talmudic Judaism is uh, significantly different than Second Temple Judaism. So that actually, somewhat remarkably, is a, is a different religion. That um, you will find some of these things um, in these different religions and the apostolic religion was very Hebraic. It was based on um, traditional Hebrew traditions. And you can see um, that second century Christianity, if you look at the typical chronology, uh, had been radically Hellenized. And those traditions had been expunged. So that's, that's an interesting point there. Um, but um, in the media, 
I think that the reason they do these kind of things is they have a long-term plan to turn people against Christians. So right now they have a lot of um, radical Muslims out there, which are a very small minority. And um, doing crazy things. And um, I think that eventually they will have um, agent provocateurs that profess to be Christians who will be doing similar things. And then the public will turn even more against Christianity. But they don't want that to occur yet. Um, because it would basically wake the Christians up because the Christians will enter into a new phase of persecution in the West uh, that hasn't been seen in a long time. Um, there are exceptions for that. Um, the most uh, Muslims are, are peaceful people. Uh, they're well-intentioned. There are actually a, a lot of Hisp- Hispanics converting to um, Islam right now, which is a curious phenomenon. Uh, these are people that are not very well learned. They didn't really understand uh, the Catholic religion in the first place. Okay? But um, I don't think uh, we need to be concerned about Muslims. Um, the great percentage of them are well-intentioned and uh, in many respects, they have a superior morality and actually zeal to the typical Christians. And you could explain this because they have um, a work salvation mentality, um, which you'll also see in a religion like Mormonism, okay? And um, even though uh, the majority of Christians today actually don't believe in salvation by grace as defined by the Protestant reformers. Um, They have this mentality that um, you have to do something to get saved and work salvation. They they would deny that. They would say that they believe in salvation by grace. But they're very lax in their religious practice. Okay? And uh, Islam is not like that, okay? So, now they have an interesting eschatology, which you don't hear much about. They expect a Elijah-type figure, I'm saying that from our perspective, called the Mahdi, unlike uh, Protestant Christianity, who doesn't see any major figure coming according to Scripture. Um before Christ. It's interesting that um, around the world you have these different religions who do have this expectation, um, but there's conflicting views of that within each religion. For instance, in Judaism, uh, you have an expectation that Elijah will return, and this is why at the Passover Cedar they have a, a fourth cup for Elijah and they have a tradition of going to the door to see if Elijah's there. You know, it's all very symbolic. Uh, like I said, in Islam, they have the Mahdi. And uh, in Buddhism, they have the Maitreya. There are also some sub-religions, smaller religions um, outside of Buddhism 
that are looking for a Maitreya-type figure. You also see that in Theosophy and some New Age-type groups. It depends on how you define the Maitreya. And uh, somewhat interestingly, even in Hinduism, uh, there is a belief that Krishna uh, will come again because there are texts out there um, you know, we don't know whether of those texts either or their origins, that Krishna will return. Well, he returns at the end of um, these various yugas. A yuga is like an age. These are long ages. And somewhat curiously, in Catholicism, uh, most Christians haven't heard of this, but they have the concept of a grand monarch. You can actually find a Wikipedia article on that. Um... There's different views of him. Um, sometimes he's viewed as the last Roman Empire, um, the emperor of the last days. Um, he was a figure of medieval European legend. Um, you have Catholic prophecy that is not based on scripture. It is largely unknown to Protestants unless they've uh, researched it. But um, there's different views, but uh, this supposed last emperor will appear on earth to establish the Holy Roman mm-hmm. Empire. I'm actually uh, glossing over this Wikipedia article here. He's supposed to stall the, uh, the coming of the Antichrist. So see, he comes early, like the Mahdi. And it says here, the legend first appears in the 7th century apocalyptic text known as the Apocalypse of Pseudo-Methodius, which is an obvious you know, forgery. You know, I'm the credibility there. But, you know, you got to understand, why did they put this information out there? I think they had some kind of long-term goal. Okay. He's also mentioned the oracles of the Tiburtine Sibyl. And it, it says it developed over the centuries, becoming particularly prominent in the 15th century. And the notion of the great Catholic monarch is related to it, as is the notion of the angelic pope. Sometimes you, these are uh, conflated into one figure, and sometimes it's more than one figure. So it's kind of complex, just like the, uh, the Mahdi. There's different views. Um, in Islam, they have the Mahdi figure coming first. He's kind of like an Elijah figure but he's also a warrior. And you have the Antichrist. Then you also have Jesus, somewhat remarkably, who is known as Esau. Um, The Mahdi is an eschatological redeemer of Islam who will appear and rule for five, seven, nine, or 19 years before the day of judgment. Says he will rid the world the world of evil. I don't think they believe that in absolute sense. Um, there's no mention of him in the Quran, but you have what's called the Hadith, if I'm pronouncing that right. These are traditions of Muhammad's teachings that were collected afterwards. And uh, that's where the Mahdi is mentioned. He's supposed to defeat the Antichrist. There's, there's different views of this. Uh, but the concept of the Mahdi is 
considered to be an essential doctrine in Sunni Islam. Um, but both the Sunni and the Shia Muslims agree that he will establish justice, rule over the Muslims, but they differ on his attributes and status. Okay. Um, I hold to the theory um, that the information about these different uh, quote-unquote world saviors um, you could set Elijah aside, it is actually a form of propaganda. But, you know, there's a, this expectation that these eschatological figures would come, but I actually think that God is probably preparing people uh, for what he's going to do, which is kind of this interesting because um, he's not really doing that with Protestant Christians, although there are a very small number of them uh, that do expect a uh, Elijah figure. Uh, in Judaism, um, there's basically three views. Um, one view is that Elijah's going to come, he'll, like a literal reincarnation, okay? And uh, the other view is similar, that it holds that Elijah is actually the Messiah. And the third view is similar to Christianity. They're just looking for the Messiah. They don't expect a, um, a figure that comes before him, kind of like a John the Baptist figure who prepares the way. <clears throat> um, but um, it, it, I hold to the theory that God may have um, done some rudimentary preparation to give these different religions the concept of this figure, so they would be prepared to some degree. And the reason I believe that is because there was a girl who had a, uh, a revelation about that a number of years ago. So I can't base it on that. I've never asked about that subject myself. So, uh, anything else about their eschatology? Um, oh, one more thing. The uh, in Islam, the return of Jesus is actually kind of a covert descent. Uh, it's not like a second advent where the whole world sees him, you know, the world mourns. Um, but he's not born of a woman. Um, but he, 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 they, they use the word descend, actually in these texts. Um, but it's not something that's seen by the masses. He appears among the people. Um, like it's a common man, apparently. It's not entirely clear. Let me see here. There's a little article I could uh, read a sample of. <clears throat> Let me see here. Um... This is the Muslim here speaking. He says, we find the expression that Jesus will, quote-unquote, descend among the people. And this is repeated in several hadiths, as I mentioned earlier, traditions. It has to do with uh, Muhammad's teaching. But we do not find the expression that he will be, quote-unquote, born a second time. 
Jesus' second coming will be in the same form as he was at the time when he was raised up. He will appear among the people without anybody noticing him at first, as it were. See? And there is no chance of anyone seeing him descending from the sky either. Kind of interesting. Because in the Bible it says every eye will see him, right? As these traditions uh, indicate, Muslims believe that Jesus will return at the end of time and clear all the confusion prevailing in the world regarding his life and mission. And on his second coming, Jesus will lead the Christians of the world to recognize the truth of Islam, and consequently the world of Christianity will merge into the world of Islam. So, uh, the second coming does not mean a second birth. Well, um, James asked me a, uh, a question on Facebook Messenger. He said, what are your thoughts on Islam? So I want to keep this relatively short. The only reason I, uh, I did this is because um, I realized it would be too much to type out. So this is just a, a brief response, but probably more than he expected, because uh, I would have had to t- type quite a bit to do that. So. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, and we're actually going to do a short podcast around here. And uh, we'll leave you with that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.